circumstances in our lives and some of them seem to be kind of small circumstances but then when we get to a big one that's when it gets serious right when we got a big problem see these two have what appear could appear to be a big problem but you know what it is it's a lie and you know there's small lies there's little white lies there's little tiny lies and then there's big lies you know what I saw in my spirit? In the midst of a red scene, which was like the blood of Christ, I saw a little tiny black spot. What's coming against you too is like a little tiny black spot in the midst of the blood of Jesus. And that little black spot has no authority, has no place there, and it has to go in Jesus' name. And if we believe what we sing, is that name above every other name? Is that name more powerful and greater than anything else? Do we believe that? Do we sing out of our heads? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Or do we go, Jesus! When we cry out to him, do we cry out from our spirit man? Do we want him more than anything? Or do we want to just feel kind of good on a Sunday morning and go, Jesus, you're greater, you're greater, you're greater, you're greater, you're greater, that my problem is so big. When we cry out from our gut, when you want him more than anything, more than healing, more than anything, when you want him more than anything, he draws near to you when you draw near to him when you stand out here with your bible outside the door and i know all the scriptures i know what it says but i'm not going to enter in but by golly i know what it says i got it you got to enter in you got to get into that spiritual realm you got to begin to see with spiritual eyes. You got to begin to hear with spiritual ears. Because this, this natural business, lies. It dictates to your life what you can believe. Because if you don't see it and if you don't hear it and if you don't feel it, it must not be true. That's the greatest lie of the enemy. And if he can convince you that it's not true, then you can forget about carrying that in here. Because it will do you absolutely no good. Nothing. If you put no belief in what he says. See, I'm preaching this to myself too. And I've been preaching on healing for, or teaching on healing for several weeks. And you will not convince me that that is not true. You will not convince me that when Jesus died on that cross, he died for every single sin that you will ever commit, every sin you have committed, and he gave you righteousness. And the same is true for healing. It says, by the stripes of Jesus, you have been healed. And in that same verse, it says that he bought you righteousness. You can't have one without the other. If you don't believe in healing, then you don't really believe in righteousness. Because what he did on the cross was all sufficient. Do you believe it? Do you want to believe it? Do you want to get to that place where you're yearning for the Holy Spirit, where you're yearning? Do you want to come in here with some enthusiasm because of who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do? Or do you want to come in here like, another Sunday. His word is alive. It's powerful. He's alive. He's powerful. And every lie of the enemy is nothing but a little tiny black spot. So he's given us authority over all the power of the enemy. And you know what? He says we can ask anything in his name. What does that include? Everything. Does a father want to give his children things? Of course he does. You're only limited by your own limitations if you stay in the natural. But if you take off the limits and let God have his way, who are you going to trust? I'm not trustworthy. Don't trust me. Don't get dependent on me because I'm going to fail you. But the Holy Spirit's always on the inside of you. And when I talked to you earlier, when we were talking about the scriptures, she said, I know that. 
I know that, and I know you know that. I know you do. I know you do. And it's exciting to me because you're a worshiper, and so are you. You're both worshipers. You both love God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. He will not withhold any good thing from you. It makes me want to actually cry and laugh at the same time because <laughs> he's so good. So I'm not mad at you or anything like that, nor is God. He just loves you so much and he wants you to know him. He just wants you to have all that he has for you. Stop messing around. Stop playing church. Stop ignoring him. Stop believing the lies. Say anything positive to Pastor Dave after all that? I'm ready to pray. Let's lift our hands up to him. Let's just worship him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. Well, you know, since we have these two, I just have a feeling that there's probably more that need a healing touch right now. And so if that's you, might as well just come up and get it. Why resist it any longer? Just come get what you need. Hallelujah. Anybody at all? Thank you, Lord. Sit down right now. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, she has been healed, that it flows through her body from the very top of her head to the very soles of her feet. In 
Thank you for your love. Just leave her lay there a while. Just, Dan, just leave her. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. You didn't know what way to go either, did you? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, we're going to continue our worship by receiving tithes and offerings. And so if you need an envelope, just raise your hand. The ushers will get an envelope to you. You know, the Bible says, be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. You know, it's talking about finances. It's talking about every area of our life. And whether you realize it or not, that's exactly what Pastor Becky was sharing with you that whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. Are we going to sow into the spirit realm or are we going to sow into the natural realm? Well, as we give up our finances, it appears that we're sowing into the, to the material realm. But really, because we do it by faith, we're sowing into the spiritual realm. The Bible says that when we do that, it opens the windows of heaven that God pours out such a blessing upon us that we, we can't contain it. And when Christy was sharing with me earlier about praying for her this morning, she brought up the woman with the issue of blood. And you know, the woman with the issue of blood, if you remember the account, she came up behind Jesus and she touched the hem of his garment. And when she did that, she felt healing flow through her body. She felt virtue flow into her. And she, was, she felt within herself that she was whole. And I believe in the name of Jesus that when we laid our hands on individuals this morning, that that virtue of Jesus flowed into their bodies and that they were, they were made whole. They were healed. But then Jesus looked at her and and he said, you know, be healed of your affliction. Well, she's already healed. But there is restoration in every area of their life. And I believe as the anointing touches us, we may be praying for physical healing. But that anointing involves every area of our life, spirit, soul, and body. And it brings wholeness and restoration. And so I believe that you are going to experience wholeness and restoration in the name of Jesus. And we we know that God's not going to be mocked and so we sow. And we sow abundantly knowing that he grants us the increase. And so ushers if you come forward let's pray and let's receive our tithes and offerings this morning. Father God we thank you for the opportunity that we have today to give. We give in faith knowing that you grant us the increase. Father, we give knowing that your ways are the highways, that your ways are the abundant ways. And so we give in faith knowing that you grant us the increase. And so we thank you for that. 
In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen. And let's receive the offering. things going on around because uh, as you know that uh, Clayton and Ryan and uh, Bill and Don are down in Honduras right now and and as I shared earlier that uh, Ryan had some physical issues but by the stripes of Jesus he has been healed and so just continue to stand with them they got a lot done while they were down there working on the building and so forth and so just uh, hold them up in your prayers. Also, I don't know if you noticed or not, but um, Madeline Grace uh, left yesterday for uh, the Dominican Republic. She's over there with a medical mission team. Uh, and uh, she's leading up a group down there. And so just, she'll be there this week. So be praying for her. And Nadia is in Italy. And she's over there with a group from Iowa State. And so uh, just continue to hold her up in prayer as well as she's there and with travels and everything else that's going on. And I think that's it. Praise the Lord. Well, God's wonderful, isn't he? And so we're going to talk this morning about exceeding glory. Last week, I I started talking some about um, the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk to you today about exceeding glory. And and so much of it is still along those same same lines in talking about the Holy Spirit. And so if you've got your scriptures, you can turn it to 2 Corinthians. We'll be looking at the third chapter there. But... If we want to truly experience change, it's going, to, it's going to come through the Holy Spirit. And you know, the interesting thing about Kim is he can, he can do something in our lives in a moment of time that would take eons to accomplish. And so when we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, how he wants to work and bring about change in our life, and and when we begin to yield to him, when we begin to give him opportunity, he will accomplish those things in our life. But, you know, just as we've shared so often, we have to be willing to cooperate with him. We've got to give him a, a place where he's able to operate in and through our lives. You know, it's, it's one thing to talk about the Holy Spirit, but it's a whole other thing to allow him... <clears throat> to have his way in our lives. And that's what I want to basically talk about is allowing him to have his way. And we're going to see his glory manifest in our lives when we allow him to do that. You know, we oftentimes, we get so caught up in in self-effort, trying to do it ourselves. And, you know, we have all kinds of books out there about self-improvement and so on and so forth. And you know, there is an element where we work, but when it, when it comes to the Holy Spirit working in our lives, it's, it's really us allowing him to have access to accomplish what he wants to do in each and every one of our lives. When we begin to, <clears throat> well, let's look at some scripture. Let's look at 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. We're going to begin in the first verse. And it says, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, 
epistles of, uh, of commend, commendation to you or letters of commendation for you. Let me try, let, let me start over again. I don't know why I'm really having a hard time reading here. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need, as some others, epistles of com commendation to you or letters of commendation for you? You are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read by men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. It's talking about the heart. And we have such trust through Christ towards God. <clears throat> how, do we, how do we find our trust in God? It's going to be through the Spirit. It's not going to be through the flesh. Dropping down to the 17th verse, and it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You know, one of the number one things each of us are really longing for, we're striving for, we're looking for, is to have liberty in our lives. Here it says, tablets of stone. Well, these tablets of stone, what that's making reference to is the law. It's making reference to the Ten Commandments. And the interesting thing about that is we can know those commands, but they don't bring liberty to our life. Where we find liberty, we find liberty in Christ Jesus. Now don't turn me off right away because I'm not being negative towards the Ten Commandments. Thank God for the Ten Commandments. Thank God for the law. Because I wouldn't have come to Christ without it. But it's like everything, <clears throat> it needs to be kept in its proper context. And when you and I as born-again believers, when we try to live our lives according to the law, according to an old standard, according to something that is outdated, we're not going to experience the liberty that we ought to be experiencing in our lives. I don't know about you, I want liberty. But I find that liberty in Christ Jesus. I find that liberty through the Spirit. And so what we see here, what Paul is talking about in this particular chapter, he's bringing about a comparison. He's comparing the Ten Commandments, the law, with the Spirit. And he says, if you try to live according to law, if you try to use that as the foundation for your life, you're not going to experience the liberty that's truly been provided for each and every one of us through Christ Jesus. Because when we look to the law, we look to self. We look to our ability to be able to keep it, to be able to do it. And again, I'm not making light of it. I'm not saying that it's not important. But what I'm telling you is this. That if we're going to live a life of liberty, we're going to find it through the Spirit. We're not going to find it through the letter. In 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, and I want to read the fifth verse, but I want to read it out of the Amplified Version. And it says, Not that we are fit, qualified, or sufficient in ability of ourselves, to form personal judgments or to claim or count anything as coming from us. But our power and ability and sufficiency are from God. So it's talking about the Holy Spirit. Our sufficiency, our ability is in God. You know, <clears throat> We're very qualified in ourselves. We have different gifts. We have different talents and so forth. And we're, we're very qualified to do things within ourselves. 
But it's so easy to begin to just simply in all areas begin to depend upon our own ability rather than putting our trust in him. You know, in many countries, faith is a necessity. They live by faith because without it, they may not experience their next meal. Oftentimes for us, faith is just a convenient thing. Faith is something that we use to get what we want, not necessarily what we, what we need. And that's why as, as believers, we need to go beyond ourselves. If everything that I'm doing, if everything that I'm believing for is I, I'm sufficient within myself to do that, that means I'm not putting my trust in him. There comes a point in our lives where we need to stretch ourselves. We need to reach out into those areas where we're not comfortable. If we're totally comfortable with everything that we do, we're probably not walking in faith. It's when we get to that area where we're, we're not totally comfortable, where we can't just simply rely upon ourselves. We have to be dependent upon him. That's when we're, we're stretching ourselves. We're going beyond that which we just simply know within ourselves. The law of Moses was all about peop what people had to do to get God to act. That's what the law was about. What do we need to do to get God to act? Well, we're under a new covenant. We're under a better covenant. We're under grace. And what we have is what Jesus has already done for us. And so it isn't trying to get something from God or get God to do something. It's us acknowledging and recognizing what he's already done on our behalf. Under grace, the focus has shifted from being self-dependent to becoming God-dependent. It's not about what I can do, what I need to do. It's what Jesus has already done on my behalf. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 3 again. Let's, let's begin reading in the, in the sixth verse. And it says, Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. How does, how does the letter kill? The letter kills from the standpoint, it reveals to us what we can't do. That no matter how hard we try, we can't ever fully accomplish it. But the Spirit brings life. Because the Spirit speaks to us, but then the Spirit empowers us to be able to do what we're to do. We're not relying upon self. But if the ministry of death, written, on, <clears throat> written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. I don't know about you, I want to exceed in glory. I, wanna, I don't want to just simply rely upon what was. But notice what he's talking about here. Remember, when Moses went up the mountain, he came down with the law. It said that his face was so shiny, it scared everybody. And so he wore a veil. And every time that Moses would go into the temple, into the tabernacle, to meet with God, he would take that veil off. But when he came out, he would, he would put the veil back on because the glory would begin to fade. You and I, we have the exceeding glory. We have the glory of the Holy Spirit in our lives and that glory doesn't ever fade. When you walk out these doors, you don't have to cover your face because the glory is going to fade. No, the glory goes with you because the Holy Spirit is in you and the glory 
goes with you. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. What's he talking about here? It sounds so confusing. He's saying that within the law there was glory, the presence of God. But you see, it faded away. We would see it with the children of Israel where they would experience these marvelous miracles with God. They would see God on the mount. They would see God in the cloud. They would see God in the fire. They would see his glory. They would see his manifestations. They crossed the sea on dry land. And when Pharaoh and his army came after him, the waters closed in around them and the entire army was destroyed. They saw that. That was the glory of God. But you know what? Right after they saw that, they complained because they didn't have enough water. They complained because they didn't have enough food. Let me tell you something. If God can destroy the armies of Pharaoh, God can give you water when you need it. And give you food when you need it. But you see, <clears throat> because they were looking at things in the natural sense, it was God, what have you done for me lately? You know, as born again believers, when we attempt to rely upon the law, those things to maintain us, what happens is we get into that place of God, what have you done for me lately? Rather than recognizing that his awesome presence, his glory is with me continuously. Notice what it says there in those verses. It says, the ministry of death written and engraved in stone. What's he talking about? What's he making reference to? He's making reference once again to the Ten Commandments. And he's saying it carried a level of glory. But what we have is exceedingly glorious. It's so much more than what they were able to have. Because what they had was based upon trying to do something through self rather than relying upon him. Then later on in those verses it says the ministry of condemnation. And again, it's talking about the Ten Commandments. It's talking about the law. It's talking about how if that's what we focus on, if that's what we look to, it will always lead to a, to a sense of condemnation. Why? Because we fail. Because we can't keep it completely. You know, the Bible says if we're going to live according to the rules and the regulations laid down in the Ten Commandments and through the law. It says that we are to be perfect. Be, there, be therefore perfect, even as our Father in heaven is perfect. And so anytime we try to be that within ourselves, we will experience the ministry of condemnation. We will experience that because we will always fall short. Well, Pastor Dave, you're, you're saying then that we can just do whatever because we're, we're going to fall short anyway. <clears throat> you know, it's an interesting thing. When we follow after the leading of the Holy Spirit and we miss it, we miss it. Anybody in this room missed it? I'll raise my hand for all of us. That way I don't have to have a prayer line for liars. We all miss it. All of us. But you see, we don't have to experience the ministry of condemnation because when we, we miss it, the Holy Spirit is there to draw us back, to reveal to us we missed it so that we can correct it and so that we can begin to walk in harmony with Him. We don't lose our righteousness, our righteous position in Christ because we miss it. The enemy wants to heap guilt, shame, condemnation on us. 
Why? Because he knows that when we have those emotions, that when we have those feelings, we will feel unworthy. We will feel undeserving. We'll look at our life and if we see something happen, we'll look at it and we'll say, well, I deserve it because look at what I did. No, you don't deserve it. Look at what Jesus did. And see, that's the difference. The one has us looking at self. The one has us looking at our accomplishments and our shortcomings. The other has us looking to Jesus. And we know that Jesus is not just simply the author, but he's the perfecter of our faith. Dropping down to the 12th verse, still in 2 Corinthians 3, it says, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. What was passing away? That glory. But see, we don't, we, we, we speak with boldness. But you know what? <clears throat> to speak with boldness, you have to be confident. If you don't have any confidence, you don't, you don't speak with boldness. And our confidence isn't in self. Because you see people that are so confident in their self, their boldness, their arrogance, there, there's just something put offish about it. But we're not confident, we're not bold in self. We're confident and we're bold in what Jesus has done for us. And so in our conversation, it's not about what I've accomplished, it's about what Jesus has accomplished in me and through me. Where am I? Uh, I'm in 12, right? Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded. They couldn't see. Their minds were blinded. For until the day, this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. And so we can see because the veil is removed. We can see the works of God. We can see the accomplishments of God. We can see what Jesus is doing in our lives. Because the veil has been lifted, we can see the exceeding glory of God in our lives and in the lives of others because of what Jesus has done. But even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil lies on their hearts. What he's saying is that, may, that veil may not be over the face of Moses any longer. But their hearts, their hearts are still veiled. In their heart, they're still not able to see what Jesus has truly accomplished, what Jesus has done for them. Their eyes are blinded. They can't see clearly. You and I, we're to see clearly what Jesus has done for us. And we're able to see that through the Spirit. Now, the law, as born-again believers, the law is not going to reveal that to us. But when we draw closer and closer to the Holy Spirit and we read through the epistles and we see what Jesus has accomplished for us, there's an enthusiasm, there's an excitement. Why? Because that veil has been lifted and we can we can now see as others can't see. I don't know about you, but there's been years in my life where there's been certain truths and realities of what Jesus has done for me that I was veiled to it. Because I was trying to look at it and I was trying to see it how, how I was going to be able to accomplish that. How I was going to be able to 
earned that. And all that it ever produced in my life was a sense of failure and condemnation. But you know, when I began to see that Jesus has done it all and that veil has been lifted, it's not about my actions, it's about Jesus' actions. It's not about what I've done, but about what Jesus has done. All of a sudden, things begin to change and we begin to see things differently. Nevertheless, the 16th verse, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. When we turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Trying and trying and trying doesn't bring liberty. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, when we recognize He's working in me to accomplish that which needs to be done, there's liberty. And my liberty is in Him. But we all, who's He talking to? Born again believers. But we all with unveiled faces, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. How are we transformed? We're transformed by the Spirit. We're transformed from glory to glory as we, as we see the glory. Not as I try harder, but as I recognize and see more of what Jesus is doing in my life and I, and I look upon that. You know, what we, what we focus on is what determines our life, the direction that we go. If we focus on negativity, our life is going to be negative. But if we focus on things that are positive, positive edifying, uplifting, that's the attitude. That's what we're going to demonstrate. And so, are we looking in the mirror of the Word of God and seeing the glory of God? Are we looking into those things that have and that will continue to produce bondage in our life? He wants us to be free. And when we look to Jesus, we see that freedom. We are the ministers of the covenant of grace. We minister through God's ability, not our ability. You say, well, I'm not in the ministry. Yes, you are. Every one of us is in the ministry. Every one of us have a call, a purpose to fulfill. God has a dream. He has a, a vision. He has a purpose for each and every one of us. And when we look to him, we see the fulfillment of that purpose in our lives. The law and the Ten Commandments, they had a purpose. They had something to accomplish in each of our lives. And the purpose of that law was to bring us to Jesus, to reveal to us Jesus. But you know, we can look at Israel and we see how so many of the Jews have not accepted the Messiah. Why? Because they're not looking into the law of liberty. They're still looking into the law, which leads to greater bondage. We see it in the life of so many today within the church, where they ought to be experiencing the freedom and the liberty that you find in Christ. But they're still oppressed. They're still held back. They're still held down. Because they're still trying to accomplish it in their own strength, their own ability. You know, there's a difference between following and trying to do the leading. And oftentimes that's what we do when we look at the, the law, when we look at the Ten Commandments. We try to lead the way rather than allow the precious Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct us. And I remember in the past where we've had individuals and they had 
issues in their life. And individuals would come up to me and they'd say, Pastor, you know, so-and-so has this issue in their life. And I'd say, yeah, I know. And they'd say, Pastor, you really need to do something about that. And I'd always give them the same response. I'd say, as soon as the Holy Spirit tells me to, I will. But you see, what we don't see is we don't see what God is really dealing with. You know, maybe we see somebody with, with something on the surface that we as Christians don't think is acceptable and they ought to do something about it. But we don't see what God is really dealing with in their life. Because, you know, the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit, He deals with us with those things that we can handle at the time. And he doesn't give us more than what we can deal with. Let me tell you something. If the Holy Spirit is dealing with you in something in your life, you can deal with it. Because he's going to lead you through it. But what we have a tendency to do is we look at the whole scheme of things and we want to, we want to fix everything right now. And then when we don't get it fixed right now, we get discouraged and we throw the whole, the whole deal away. Rather than realize the Holy Spirit is working on me and the Holy Spirit is working on you. And you know, I found something out. He does a much better job of being the Holy Ghost than I do. Let me tell you something else. He does a better job of being the Holy Ghost than you do as well. And I'm not talking in reference to other people. I'm talking about you. Because we have a tendency to look at and see all of our failings, all of our shortcomings. And we have a tendency to look at all this stuff that we need to correct right now. Rather than allow him to guide us and direct us. Because you know what? He'll lead us into all truth. And when he leads us, he brings about change that's true change. Because true change isn't momentary. Momentary is for the moment. It lasts. Let's look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy, the first chapter. And I want to begin reading in the 8th verse. But we know that the law, the law is good. Amen? The law is good. If the condition. But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person. Well, half the people on Facebook just turned me off right now. None of you walked out, so I felt comfortable. But notice what it says here, because it's important for you to understand this. But we know that the law is good if, if one uses it lawfully. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person. And again, I'll raise my hand for all of us. Well, Pastor, I, I don't know if I'm righteous. Yes, you are, if you're born again. The Bible says that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are righteous. Well, I don't feel righteous. Thank God you don't have to go by your feelings. You can go by what you know. And what you know is what the Word of God says about you. And the Word of God says that you are a righteous man, but you don't know how I failed. Well, we're not talking about that. We're talking about you being a righteous man or woman if you've received Christ as your Lord and Savior. So it says, as a righteous man, as a righteous woman, this law is not for you. But for the lawless and the insubordinate, for the ungodly 
and for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the <clears throat> glorious gospel of, of, the, of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. That's who it's for. Those that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Such were we before we had Christ as our Lord and Savior. But when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're no longer there. That doesn't describe us any longer. You and I, as born-again believers, are no longer sinners. Well, Pastor, I sinned yesterday. Well, join the club. But that doesn't define who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You may sin, but you're not a sinner because that defines you. A sinner describes your position. You've been taken from that position. You've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You are now, who once was in, in Satan in his kingdom, you're now in the kingdom of God. You belong to Jesus. Everybody say, I belong to Jesus. And so we, we follow him. And so the law is good when it's used lawfully. How can I lawfully use the law? Well, when I encounter somebody that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they need to know that they need Jesus. They need to know that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. You know, the problem is, is if, if you don't know that you need a Savior, why would you ever? Why would you ever receive him? We got to know that we're lost and hopeless without Christ. But once we know that, I don't need the law to continually remind me of that. Because once I come into the kingdom and I have fellowship and relationship with Jesus... I follow him. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians again. 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, the ninth and the tenth verse. And I want to read this out of the Amplified. And it says, For if the, servant, for if the service that condemns the ministry of doom had glory, how infinitely more abounding in splendor and glory must be the service that makes righteous. The ministry that produces and fosters righteous living and right standing with God. Indeed, in view of these, this fact, what once had splendor, the glory of the law in the face of Moses, has come to have no splendor at all. Because of the overwhelming glory that exceeds and expels it, the glory of the gospel in the face of Jesus Christ. This is what I'm saying. When you see the glory of Jesus, that glory of the old can't hold a, lamp, a, a, a candle to it. It's so much more magnificent when we see the glory of Jesus. And so, what are we looking at? Are we looking back under the old covenant trying to see glory? When that glory has been veiled, are we looking to the completed works of Jesus and seeing that which is so glorious that we can hardly comprehended. <clears throat> Most of you know that I really don't like early mornings. You know, I, I really 
I, I just don't. I like to sleep at that time. And so sunrises aren't something I typically see. But yesterday morning as we're heading out for Oakland, I drove some ladies to the conference over there. And we're driving out of town and the, the sun began to come up. And there were these, I don't know what you call them, but there were these rays and so forth. It was, it was, it was, it was, mag, it was magnificent. It was, it was glorious. But you know, a lot of people are like me from the standpoint where that morning glory is concerned. It was marvelous. I loved seeing it. But I really wasn't interested in seeing it again this morning. You know, once was enough. But you know, that's the approach that many people have taken towards the glory of Jesus. They've experienced Jesus. They've, they've experienced that glory. But you know what? It doesn't seem to be enough to motivate them to, to long for that glory, to do whatever is necessary to follow after and seek the Holy Spirit so that I can see that glory on a regular basis. You know, <clears throat> I believe we saw his glory here this morning in manifestation. But you know, there ought to be a, a longing in our heart that we just don't see that once in a while on Sunday morning, but we see that every moment of every day in our lives. And no, we're not going to see it like that. But to realize that the Jesus, the Holy Spirit, he'll never leave us or forsake us. Wherever we go, he's present. And wherever he is, is his glory. When we look into our Bible, it doesn't have to be just once in a while we see something exciting. We ought to be experiencing and seeing his glory always when we open that book. Because he's withholding no good thing from us. We see it in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18. In the Amplified it says, And all of us, as with unveiled face, because... We continued to behold in the Word of God. Notice, because we continued to behold in the Word of God. We need to continue to behold. We need to continue to look to the Word of God. As in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly being transformed into his very own image in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He comes to reveal to us our righteous position. He comes to reveal to us that we've been set free from guilt and shame. He comes to reveal to us what the will of God is in our life. You see, the Holy Spirit is so much more than a manifestation of one of the gifts, although they're so important. But he's so much more than that in our lives. He wants to be a part of every aspect, every element of our lives if we allow him to be. And he wants to be. Because when we do that, we allow him to bring, allow him to bring change into our life. And what happens is it's, it's not me so much trying to constantly change. It's him working in me, that change that is necessary so that I can rightfully represent Christ Jesus. 
In Psalms 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself. Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. How do we delight in the Lord? We, we love praising him. We love his word. When we delight in that, it says that he's going to grant us the desires of our heart. Well, I don't know if I can trust my desires. Well, your desires change as you allow him to change you. What's so interesting is that which at one point in our life may have seemed to be so important. All at once it's not that important any longer. Why? Because he's changed our desires. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. Notice John 15 verse 7. We talked about this on, on Wednesday night. But John 15, 7, it says, Jesus says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Why is he able to do that? Because when we abide in him and allow him to abide in us, our desires become his desires. And he says that he'll grant us, he'll give us those desires of our heart. And that comes back to why it's so essential for us to seek him. Matthew says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these other things shall be added unto you. Seek him first. When we seek him, we serve Him. When we seek Him, we follow Him. When we seek Him, guilt, shame, condemnation, it all has to fall off because we're focusing on Him and not upon ourselves and upon our shortcomings. Well, let me read one more passage to you. It comes out of Matthew, the 11th chapter the 28th through the 30th verse, and I want to read it out of the Message Bible. Are you tired? See, he's speaking to us. Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Why is it so important that we spend time with God? Why is it so important that we make that decision to set aside a time we come to church and we worship Him and we fellowship around His Word and we commune with one another? Why, why is that so important? Because what I see in the culture of the day that we live in, and we're, we're all combating against it because there's so much trying to distract us and to, to focus our attention elsewhere, elsewhere. If we don't have those times that we focus upon Jesus and we say, this is your time. I'm going to be in your presence. What happens is we lose sight of that. We lose track of that. And we don't experience what he's talking about here. I, our life ceases to have any rest in it. It's, it begins to be a time of, of just constant motion. I hear it from people all the time. Well, our life is, is so hectic. It's just constant motion. 
And I know there's all this stuff that's coming against us. But you may not like to hear this, but nobody has control over your schedule but you. And if you can schedule activity that keeps you busy all the time, you have within your ability to schedule those times that you're going to set aside and you're going to say, God, you're the priority in my life. I'm not going to allow all these distractions to take over. Because what happens is, it wears us out. We become weak. And we lose our enthusiasm. And then we begin to look around us and we fig try to figure out what it is. And I found out when I've got to look for the what it is that usually ends up with me. Ends up with the decisions that I've made. We have to make that decision that we're going to put him first in our lives. I like what it says there. When we're in the rhythm of sin, all we can see is the law. But you know, when we're in the rhythm of the Holy Spirit, we see grace, we see mercy, we see love. That's the answer. It's Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit, he's with us. I don't know if I can find him. You don't have to find him. He's already found you. And all he wants is the opportunity to be able to speak to us and lead us and direct us. Don't try to do it in yourself because we're incapable. But through Christ, through the working of the Holy Spirit, nothing's impossible. And so, Father, we thank you this morning for your love, for your loving kindness, for your grace and your mercy that is new to us every single day. We rely upon you, not upon our ability to perform, but we rely upon you. We want you to have your way in each of our lives. Father, we want to grow we want to grow from glory to glory, fulfilling and demonstrating how wonderful our Jesus truly is. But we can't do that in ourselves. But we can do all things through you as you strengthen us. And so we ask you to do that. Remind us of our need for you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. Have a blessed week.